If you're applying for an MBA program or if you're midstream, you're likely doing a lot of reading, but there are some books you must read to enhance your candidacy and career excellence. I'm Diana Jordan with MBA Podcaster, and in this show, we will hear from students, consultants, and authors to guide you to the perfect books. Consultant Jeremy Dan says he guides his MBA candidates to follow their interests. Just be reading, be pursuing your interests so you're a much more interesting person to talk to for the interview process and you have much more interesting viewpoints when you're writing. One of his top picks is author Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. It is a fundamentally optimistic book. Student Christy Jean-Baptiste will share her top five. The hope is really not just to take the books and just read them or to put them on a shelf, but it's really to apply them to their lives. Author and consultant David Maester advocates non-business books. Don't be afraid to read something that is on the bestseller list. Get ready to take notes. We've got some great books straight ahead. This is MBA Podcaster. Stay tuned to the rest of the program after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for MBA Podcaster comes from Manhattan GMAT, the world's largest GMAT-exclusive test preparation provider. Developed by Ivy League education professionals and continually updated to reflect current trends, Manhattan GMAT's advanced curriculum goes beyond teaching the tricks and focuses on in-depth content understanding in addition to GMAT-specific strategy. All programs are taught by highly trained and experienced instructors with GMAT scores in the 99th percentile, a 760 or better out of 800. Visit ManhattanGMAT.com slash MBA podcaster to explore programs options, including comprehensive nine-session courses, private tutoring, one-day workshops, and a two-week intensive boot camp. MBA podcaster listeners will receive a $100 discount on Manhattan GMAT programs by using the code podcaster when enrolling for a complete course. Visit ManhattanGMAT.com slash MBA podcaster to enroll and receive your discount. Manhattan GMAT, the new standard in GMAT preparation. MBA in hand, Jeremy Dan blended in his writing skills and started a business advising applicants on how to create outstanding applications, captivating essays, and how to strategize. Then he joined up with Stacy Blackman Consulting. Dan says there are ways to augment your candidacy. When I talk with people about their MBA application process, there's stuff they can do months and months ahead of time to augment their quote-unquote candidacy. And then in the last few months, it's all about the application. And when I think about someone in their candidacy, what they need to express is their skills, their achievements, and their interests that they've acted on. I find one thing with their candidacy is if someone is interested in history or someone is interested in sociology or economics and just reads the occasional article or two a month outside of their work, they're not really pursuing their interests, showing their, or showing they're someone that really has passion about things. I recommend that no matter what people are interested in, whether it's a social sciences topic or a business topic or even the arts or humor or fiction, just be reading, be pursuing your interests so you're a much more interesting person to talk to for the interview process and you have much more interesting viewpoints when you're writing. What are some of the books that would make a great addition to an already busy candidate's life? Read a book a month, Dan says, but he has a warning. What I don't recommend, first of all, is that people, sometimes when they're applying to business school, they want to show they're the ultimate corporate machine. Well, what they'll end up illustrating is that they're the ultimate corporate tool if all they do is read a bunch of business buzzword books, the five great rules of marketing, the ten commandments of leadership. So I emphasize that people should follow their interests. 
I found that people that can pull powerful ideas from history or from some of the social sciences or other things are, are often very interesting people at business school. So I sort of backed out from there. One of the books that I really recommend to a lot of people is The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn. Now, some people might say, why something so sciencey? Well, this is a book that essentially coined the term paradigm shift, that anyone in consulting or any other number of fields has probably invoked you know, a thousand times in their career. But what this really shows is the way that people with various new ideas and innovations have to make a clean break from the past. They can't just tweak the existing body of knowledge. And this shows in the same way, say, an iPod was a revolutionary product and totally blew away uh, the economics of the record industry, or where something like Starbucks was so different from what happened in the past and presented a whole new thinking of, of about retailing, et cetera, retailing of food and drink. The structure of scientific re- revolutions talks about that kind of break from the past. Another book I really recommend, it's been about 15 years since I read it, but uh, it just still shapes a lot of what I think about is a book called Costing the Earth by Francis Cairncross. And this is a book that really puts it in a business perspective of why the smartest thing you can do is preserve the environment, that any remediation is much, much, much more expensive than any potential economic gain from a a ton of the, the projects that people do in this world. You know, I always thought that the tree huggers ruled the day on the green front, but it just shows you that whether you're a tree hugger or whether you're a business person, you have sound basis for operating together and cooperating. Dan shares one of his top picks with consulting Christy Jean-Baptiste, who is also a part-time student at Syracuse University. That is The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman. It really gives a lot of information on globalization. And, you know, in today's business world, globalization is not just a concept that's learned in classrooms. It's pretty much in every facet of the business world now. It impacts all industries. It's really showing how America will play like a new role in the business landscape now. You know, whether we're talking about outsourcing, offshoring, or any multinational business ventures, future MBAs need to understand these new business concepts. They also need to embrace them and be able to adapt to the changes. And this book really gives a great tutorial for people to understand the transitional gap. Right now, we're transitioning from an industrial to an informational paradigm shift within American business, particularly in the IT space. And so this book gives a really deep dive into that type of information. Jean-Baptiste has her top five picks, and number four on her list is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Part of being a great leader is being able to manage a great work-life balance. That only includes professional development, but also your personal development. Um, So I picked this book really because it really gives a lot of concepts on just really how to create a well-being and having really a a good balance um, from a spiritual perspective. And it doesn't really touch upon religion, but again, it's more spiritual type of laws. If you follow these seven laws, ultimately you will manifest goodness within your life and be able to achieve all that you want to do. Number three on Jean-Baptiste's list is How to Become CEO by Jeffrey Fox. It's kind of like a one-pager advice guidelines on really keeping Keeping you focused on your career goals. And although the title suggests that it's for CEOs, I think the information in the book really can help anyone rise and succeed in any type of executive business role. Her second favorite book is Winning by the legendary Jack Welch because he dives into his career, reflecting on his successes and failures. So what really captures my attention about this book is really not only the depth of information, but the breadth of topics that he covers. He really captures the essence of organizational leadership, career development, and other competing 
objective that executives deal with on a day-to-day basis and seems to be able to tie them seamlessly together. And the book is, is really great because it takes an in-your-face approach, but it's written from the heart. And Christy Jean-Baptiste's number one book, that tattered classic. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Of all the books, this is the absolute must-read because the book really illustrates that no matter how smart you are, what you look like, or what your pedigree line is, at the end of the day, you really have to be able to interact and influence people in order to be a successful leader. One of the reasons I picked this book was not only because of the information and, again, classic, but Carnegie really goes into practical advice. For example, he would explain a situation and then he would provide a real-life scenario on how to handle that situation and how to deal with certain types of scenarios. It's very clearly detailed, so the images really stick in your mind. And they're not complex. Consultant and author David Meister says business schools are good at developing the intellectual brain, but tend to not focus on basic interpersonal human activities that all of us need to learn. Meister has his MBA and taught at Harvard Business School. And Meister shares his number one pick with Jean-Baptiste. The absolute best business book in the world, without question, is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And uh, it stayed in print since the 1930s when he wrote it. And it's about as very simple, basic things of getting people to want to be with you. And he taught me a very simple lesson, which is that you know, everything you want in life has to be given to you by another person. So if you want to win a sale or if you want your colleagues around you to be collaborative with you, then somewhere along the line, you need to have to understand how other people actually think. And that was new for me. I, I'm, you know, a fairly, I did math all the way through my education and did quite well, obviously, you know, in my formal education. But I was never very much a people person. And Dale Carnegie's book really got me started thinking about that and practicing it in a very new way. Meister says Carnegie teaches that it's all about making people feel good about themselves. Another top choice, The One Minute Manager by Kenneth Blanchard and Spencer Johnson. This is very, very basic, but you're all familiar with that whole series of books like Who Moved My Cheese, but the younger members who might, might be listening maybe don't know that the very first in that series was a book called The One Minute Manager. And it was one of the very first business books to become hugely popular and sit on top of the bestseller list for decades. And again, completely unrespectable in academic terms, because all it really contains is practical advice on how to do three things. One is how to delegate a piece of work to anybody who reports to you. The second is, if they've done it well, how to praise appropriately. And third, if they've not done it completely well, how to critique. And I have to, again, report to you that I got well into my 30s before I learned how to critique somebody who worked for me in such a way that they reacted by saying, that was really helpful, I'm glad you came by. Meister says you need to read Tom Peters to learn how to sell yourself. Peters' book is The Brand U 50. And there's a recent one which I have to declare a, a vested interest in. I wrote a book called The Trusted Advisor because one of the subjects which has really fascinated me was how do you earn another human being's trust? You know, that seems to me to be so central to everything we do in life, and by the way, personally as well as uh, in our work lives. And I wrote a book with that title, The Trusted Advisor, with a guy named Charles Green. And then he went on by himself to write a book called Trust-Based Selling. And I think that's one of the better sales books 
because if you are going to sit down and try and understand selling, I prefer the noble version of selling, your earnings and deserving someone's trust. I think that's a very good book. Another favorite, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. A popular book. Many people will have heard of it. I believe that it is absolutely a terrific book reminding us of some of the basics of getting through life. You know, the central notions of, you know, sharpen your tool before you need it. You know, invest in your own life and your own career, you know, before you actually need the certain skills. He, I think, offers some terrific advice, and it's not a complex book to get through. Another bestseller is on consultant Jeremy Danzelist. The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell is a very influential book by the uh, New Yorker writer. And that's one talking about why certain ideas are adopted and the pattern of that, why certain fads become trends and, and have some sticking power. And that's something that is so often cited. I think someone showing up at business school today, having not read that, would almost be and missing out on certainly a lot of conversations, especially in classes that deal with the adoption of new kinds of technologies and products. Gladwell himself compares the epidemiology of a virus with the epidemiology of an idea. The tipping point is when an epidemic explodes. I'm interested in describing how to get to that moment when it comes to social epidemics, epidemics of ideas. Paul Revere and William Dawes both set out crying, the British are coming, but we only know Revere, whom Gladwell calls a connector, illustrating what he calls the law of the few. It's a great illustration of how an individual's personality can have an extraordinary impact on the effectiveness of spreading a message. He must have used the same principle in creating a bestseller. We did. I have another group that I think are very critical in spreading epidemics. I call them mavens, and they are people who all of us turn for advice. To Dan, one of the most exciting books, Freakonomics, by Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner. This is an exciting book just because of the very contrarian views the authors have in them and how you should not accept the conventional wisdom. I think this is a great lesson for business school students, especially where case studies and case discussions are a big part of your business school programs that you're targeting. Because the contrarian is someone who is very valued in a business school discussion, especially if it's well-reasoned and if at times they are right. Reading Freakonomics and, and really seeing the way these guys approach breaking down problems in very atypical ways is a great way for people to get ideas of, of ways to break down problems that you're going to be viewing in business school and, and ways of coming up with creative solutions or creative analyses. Another Dan favorite, Emotional Design by Donald Norman, about our passion for design and how business harnesses that to create successes like iPod and Target stores. Another powerful book about ideas. It's a book called The Medici Effect, Breakthrough Insights in the Intersection of Ideas, Concepts, and Cultures. It's by a fellow named Franz Johansson. And it's a book talking about how a lot of the breakthroughs in business, in science, in the arts are not necessarily just by people pursuing ideas as hard as they can down their avenue like science, like biology, or in business, in the applied sciences in business, like steel making, etc. It is by cross-pollinating the knowledge. And that's why he talks about the Medici effect after the Medici family during the Italian Renaissance, where that group brought in a lot of scientists, artists, philosophers, and it wasn't necessarily the philosophers interacting with the philosophers that changed the ideas. It was often the philosophers interacting with the artists, or the artists interacting with the scientists that really drove the new knowledge. And that's a fascinating thing that you could think about if you're approaching the big issues of society and of research institutions, or even of one's own company, not just to get 
the same old quantitative types on a quantitative project. Get a couple quantitative types, then get a couple of creative types and make a, a super team that cross-pollinates ideas. Dan says pursue your interests and read voraciously so the words play in your head and you revitalize your literacy. He suggests reading to help you write a good essay. Another one I in particular recommend for them to get their head back in good style is a book called Songbook by Nick Hornby. It's, a, it's definitely not a business book. Nick Hornby is the person who wrote the books High Fidelity and About a Boy. This is a book of essays, usually about 1,000 to 2,000 words, so a very similar length and sort of style to what people can use in their business school essays. And this fellow writes about his favorite songs and the impact they've had on his life. Now, why is that at all relevant to a business school applicant? Well, he doesn't just write about the songs. He writes about the impact. And business school essays are best when they talk about impact. So a candidate can read a few essays in Nick Hornby's songbook and see the way in a very short-form essay, this fellow builds up a story about a certain song and then talks about the way it reverberates through his life. And believe me, a lot of these are not just, hey, it was a great beat and I'd love to dance with chicks to this song. It talks about real things in life that this fellow faced and the way these songs were either a part of his experience, the soundtrack to that time of his life, or just resonated with real challenges in his life. I really recommend that book as a way people could get their head around what makes good essay style. David Meister advises you to take responsibility for rounding out your own personality. Don't be afraid to read something that is on the bestseller list and popular. There's probably a reason why it has caught on to the mass public. Check it out. The hope is really not just to take the books and just read them or to put them on a shelf, but it's really to apply them to their lives and think back on reflections of how they want to develop their leadership styles, taking the techniques from these different types of books and being able to really apply them. And that's really the key. It's always good to keep a focus, and, and these types of books really provide that, that focus when you need it. And Jeremy Dan, what is your best hope out of our discussion today? Well, sometimes I worry that when people get their focus on going to business school, they try to become way too businessy. The point is business school wants to train leaders for the world. Now, a lot of those are going to rise up through the business ranks, but a lot of them lead social causes. They get back into other fields like medicine and other areas, and they're not just doing investment banking, consulting, and brand management. We're going to have lots of ideas that influence us throughout the years, and continuing to read good books that mean a lot to you, that are not just the latest flavor of the day, but have you really pursue your interests, will help you cross-pollinate that knowledge between disciplines. They will help you have more of a grounding in the topics you feel passionately about and you want to argue with other people about. You're going to have more of a grounding than just the first two or three bullet points that you're going to quickly run out of ammo in any argument or debate. So I guess that's the goal. People should really be pursuing their interests at business school. You need people with great knowledge where you can learn from each other, and I'd rather have a bunch of people with some really deep interests who are really fascinating people and very well informed rather than a bunch of people who have just read all the same books and the same Business Week and uh, Wall Street Journal articles. Support for MBA Podcaster comes from Manhattan GMAT, the world's largest GMAT-exclusive test preparation provider.
Developed by Ivy League education professionals and continually updated to reflect current trends, Manhattan GMAT's advanced curriculum goes beyond teaching the tricks and focuses on in-depth content understanding in addition to GMAT-specific strategy. All programs are taught by highly trained and experienced instructors with GMAT scores in the 99th percentile, a 760 or better out of 800. Visit ManhattanGMAT.com slash MBA Podcaster to explore program options, including comprehensive nine-session courses, private tutoring, one-day workshops, and a two-week intensive boot camp. MBA Podcaster listeners will receive a $100 discount on Manhattan GMAT programs by using the code PODCASTER when enrolling for a complete course. Visit ManhattanGMAT.com slash MBA Podcaster to enroll and receive your discount. Manhattan GMAT, the new standard in GMAT preparation. For more information, advice, and to register for your bi-weekly MBA podcast, visit mbapodcaster.com. I'm Diana Jordan with MBA Podcaster. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned next time when we discuss another topic that will help guide you through the MBA process and your career beyond.